Welcome to the Heart of Rural America podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Radke, an American cattle rancher and motivational speaker, raising my kids and writing children's books in South Dakota. There's a David and Goliath story unfolding in agriculture today. And I don't know about you, but my money is on the underdog, the hardworking folks who value faith, family, freedom, and their farming communities. This show will highlight the untold stories of these resilient and determined families who I have the great pleasure of meeting in my travels across this nation as an agricultural speaker. It is my hope that their stories will remind us to live with great courage because we are not alone in this fight to keep producers on the land and meet dairy and eggs on the dinner table. Now let's hit the dusty trail together as we uncover the heart of rural America. Welcome to your show. Here's my mom, Amanda Wacky. Hey everyone, it's Amanda Radke for another episode of the Heart of Rural America podcast, the show where we highlight great people with big hearts doing wonderful things in rural America. Today, it's a special day, and I know I say that every time I have a new guest on because I love all the people I get to meet across this country when I'm traveling. But this guest is like, I don't even know if we'll get through this show without crying, quite honestly. We talked about it before the show. (laughs) This one's a special one. If you guys have been following my social media for any length of time, you know that Tyler and I are foster parents and we're actively involved in helping vulnerable kids in our communities. And with that, you get to meet a lot of wonderful people who have a heart for kids. And today's guest is one of them. So Jesse Grote, welcome to the show. Another foster mom. I'm just so honored you would take the time to be on here. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. It's one of those topics I feel like if you haven't entered into that space, it's hard to understand. I know when Tyler and I in 2019 felt that call from the Lord that you need to do this. It didn't really make sense. And we had a lot of naysayers and people saying, you're crazy. Why would you uproot your life like that? I mean, I'm, I'm hoping to pin Tyler down at some point to get him on to talk about our story. But tell me how you got into foster care. What yeah. got you and your husband, you're ranching, you're on the farm. I guess, tell us who you are, what you do and what led you to foster care. Absolutely. My husband and I got married in 2014 and um, actually 2019, about the same time, Amanda, Amanda and I kind of knew each other. We had the same groups in college, which is wild to think how long ago that was. But I just kind of noticed we were going through some of the same, same things with some of our experiences. So I wanted to reach out, but so I had gotten through or got into foster care, I guess, or we did, we talked about it a few times, just adoption. We were really struggling to have kiddos, just fertility issues, which seems to be kind of similar, I think with our stories a little bit too. And so we had talked about it quite a bit, never really did it. And then finally the spring of 2019, it was honestly calving season. We live in a very small town in Northwest Nebraska. And we were like, this is it. Like, like you said, the Lord's calling us. It's just, it's time. Something has to happen. We have so much love to give. It has been at that point, it had been five years of trying and multiple miscarriages and just really trying to figure out where we were supposed to give this love and how we were supposed to give this love. So we decided to get licensed. We would run down when I got home from work, I was working an hour away. We'd drive an hour. I'd come pick up my husband an hour. Then we'd drive back down another hour south of us and come back. And it was wild and crazy, but we got through it. 
but that was really the big reason we started is we just, we felt like we just had so much love. We're like, we know we love kids. We want to help them. And we want to just kind of be a part of this bigger, bigger plan. And we didn't know what that plan was. We thought maybe at some point we could adopt out of the system, but we really didn't know for sure how that worked. So we really just kept our minds open. And that summer, actually before we were even officially licensed, we got the call for four kiddos. We took them all, which was wild and crazy. I was still working full time an hour from home at the time. And let me tell you, that was woof. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. time to just take a step back and figure out like, okay, what are we going to do? So, um, so we had those four kiddos. Um, initially, we were told they were potentially up for adoption. And then about five or six days in, they said, so we were just kind of getting into the groove of things, figuring it out. And we were told that actually this weekend, could you guys go take them to who is probably going to be adopting them? So we did and everything went really great and good. And they ended up leaving us about two or three days later. So they were only with us for about 10 days, but wow, the impact in those 10 days, it was, oh my goodness. I remember the, so it was four kiddos under five, which was insane. Yeah. So we went from zero to four. <laughs> yeah. Zero to four. And like a couple still in diapers or how many were uh -huh. still in diapers? Um, just the one was still in diapers. One. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Easy. And there were twin, twin boys <laughs> in there. I mean, it was just, it was wild. It was so beautiful, but my gosh, it was wild, but the memories we have from that, just those 10 days was, we both just felt like this is right. You know, there were parts of it that were tough, of course, you know, being yep. told they were up for adoption, which they were, that we could maybe adopt um, different things like that. But I remember at one point, the oldest one, so the five-year-old, he had said to me when I kind of had mentioned that they were going to be going elsewhere, going to meet somebody, you know, he said, so you guys are like gifts from God that take care of kids. And I just like, Oh my gosh. I couldn't even believe it. I thought for a little five-year-old to, I have goosebumps, honestly, just remembering that. It was just such a special moment. And I remember journaling it. And recently I was just looking through a journal and flipped open to that page. And I was like, yeah, that's, yep. That's what we were. Like our goal is to protect kids. And that, that's what we did. God, God's put us here to protect these babies and keep them safe because they just weren't in a safe place. So it was just the most beautiful thing. And I feel like that like solidified that, yep, this was the right decision for us to be in this role. So so those sweet babies left, they were adopted by the family that they went to. And I actually still keep in contact with them. I got to go in the midst of COVID, um, the beginning of COVID when everything was shut down, they, yeah. um, right. Thankfully we live in a pretty rural area. So things were a little bit looser at the beginning still, which was a big blessing because I got to go to their court hearing. And it was so funny because these kids kept looking at me and they just kept like, you could tell they knew who I was, but they didn't know who I was. And it yeah. was just, it was, I don't know, it was crazy and it was beautiful and it was hard and it was all the things, but, but it was still just a really neat experience. So anyways, a few months later, we got a call for two more kiddos and it was a really sticky situation. And they said that from the start, which I think most, most cases are right. But anyway, so we got these kiddos. The one was a little bit older. He was with us for about six months. And then he transitioned into a home that had some older kids, which was just a better fit for him. And then also we had a little baby, a little two month old baby at the time. And then of course, the way it goes, found out we were expecting <laughs> like the week we got him. I think it was yep. really wild just the way that, that all works too. So um, pregnant and all the emotions and all the things with that. And we actually had that younger boy for almost two years, year and a half, two years, which was crazy. And when he was leaving was right when I think your, your little girl was sleeping as well. So we definitely connected a lot. And I think that's kind of the beautiful thing with foster care is we just have so much like support and love for each other. And it is just, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, like a fellow foster mama, and that's just so true. Like you just yeah. go through so much and I don't know, it's a beautiful thing. And so um, he was with us for 
like I said, about a year and a half, a little over a year and a half, actually. And I mean, he was, we did everything with him. Like we watched all those first steps and first moments and the first bites of food and the first haircut. And you don't think about a lot of that stuff until you're the one seeing it. And it's not like the mom, mom, that's what one of our kids in church yeah. actually heard that. Like, where's, where's he at, at Christmas one year? And he said, oh, he's with his, with his um, mom. She goes, oh, with his mom, mom. I was like, I kind of like that. Yeah. I do like that. Yeah. We're we're a mom for a time too. It's it's like, you know, you know, they're not yours, but they're yours. Mm -hmm. And if you do it right, you love them. Like they're your own. Exactly. Now, before we get to like the sad part of Mm -hmm. the goodbyes, because that's the hardest part of foster care and people, I'm sure they say it to you all the time too. Like I Mm -hmm. I just couldn't do foster care because I couldn't, I couldn't say goodbye. But before Mm -hmm. I, I'd like to just kind of roll back to what you talked about, about teaching those kids about Jesus. To me, I was thinking about moments where we were planting seeds with these kids. Mm-hmm. I, I always think about what we hear in the sermon where it's like, how many people can you bring to the faith? How many people yeah. can you share the love and the heart of Jesus? Mm-hmm. And to me, you know, I see the four kids I have, and I know that one day I'm going to have to answer Jesus. Like, did I do what I needed to do? But yeah. I also think about the seeds that were planted that you and I are never going to get to see come to fruition. Like mm-hmm. just, I would tell myself, I, when these kids come into our house, they need to know what a safe home looks like, what a loving mm-hmm. mom and dad looks like, what mm-hmm. a warm meal at, at the table shared as a family mm-hmm. looks like, get to teach them about agriculture, but I better mm-hmm. make darn sure I introduce them to Jesus because this might be the one and only time in their, their lives that they'll ever mm-hmm. be around someone that tells them, Jesus loves them. He is the perfect author. He has the pen. It might look scary right now in your life, but he's with you through all the ups and downs. The Heart of Rural America is presented to you by my dear friends at CK6 Consulting, a cattle business consulting service with a purebred Angus focus. I recently joined the CK6 crew, and I would love to connect with you at an upcoming sale. Check out the sale calendar at ck6consulting.com to learn more about opportunities to invest in elite Angus genetics coming from our progressive and innovative clients who truly exemplify what it means to be the heart of rural America. And for all your semen needs, visit ck6source.com, an online stud service that features some of our clients' top performing bulls. Give Chris Earle, Wes Teeman, Cody Fleeman, or myself a call with any questions or business inquiries you may have. CK6 is all about families helping families, and I'm so proud and grateful to be a part of it. Now let's get back to the show. And so I guess my question on the flip side of things, because I know you have that heart for Jesus too, how is your faith? strengthened through foster care? Oh my gosh. I think you just learn. I honestly got a tattoo literally when we like two days after we got these kids, the two kids that we knew were going to be long time, long term, excuse me. And it just is part of the Lord's prayer and it's that will be done. And I remember thinking at the time when I got it, I was like, this is really out of our control, right? There's only so much that we can handle, but we have to have strength. We have to have hope that no matter what happens with the situation, it is what's supposed to happen. Whether they stay with us, whether they don't, whether they, it it just doesn't matter. Like you said, they're in our homes for a short time. So teaching them to love like Jesus, to 
be kind to understand, you know, like there are so many things in their life that they can't control, but that God is that bigger picture. He's, mm-hmm. he sees it. He knows exactly the path and um, kind of what's going to happen with them. But I definitely think it tested my faith a lot, you know, between the fertility journey that we went through or infertility journey, I guess that we went through and with these kiddos truly just learning that, I don't know, I think it was kind of a stigma sometimes, like when you're going through that fertility thing that like people don't want to hear that God has a plan, but honestly, mm-hmm. that's what got me through. That is completely what got me through. It was like, there is a purpose to this. You know, there were so many challenges with fostering with that whole journey, but knowing no matter what, that he has a plan in this and his, he's holding us completely and truly is like guiding us down that path. And so no matter the challenges, I think it truly just built my faith so much more that, you know, just knowing that, that it is going to be okay. And that no matter what these kiddos, we may not agree with it, but they're not ours right? And these kids are his and, and he's going to take care of them. We may not agree with how he's taking care of them at the time. Right? <laughs> God, I don't like this is, at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't, this is hard. You know, it's, of course yeah. it's hard, you know, he's, yeah. but he's there to support us through that. And, yeah. and so I, I, every time I look down at my arm, cause I put it right where I can see it. Some people are maybe anti-tattoo, but I'm not. <laughs> and, and it is just one of the, I don't know. I just think about that all the time. Cause I just got it right away. And honestly, probably right when I got that tattoo is the same time I got pregnant and just all those different things. It's like, what a crazy, beautiful journey that he's had planned for us this whole time. Whole time. You know, we didn't think it would take six, eight years to have kids right. in our home, but two, it's like, we've gotten to love 10 babies between our miscarriages and our babies and our foster babies. Like, and that was all part of his perfect plan. And it's made me a way better person. I think too, mm-hmm. um, just from the challenge from the struggle. And I think too, from that improved faith, improved relationships with him, with my husband, <laughs> with yeah. all the things, you know, it really just, it affects every part of your life, but it's really a beautiful, beautiful thing that I think he's, he's truly kind of knitted for us too. That That's exactly how I felt going through it too. It was like, God uses imperfect people who are going through mm-hmm. hard things themselves. And he says, I'm going to, I'm going to use you to do something. And for us, we had gone through the infertility thing. It was three years of trying. Ours was kind of opposite though. We, we went to an adoption meeting. Um, it wasn't foster care. It was an adoption meeting. And then a week Mm -hmm. later we found out we were pregnant. Then we had three kids, boom, 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 back to back. Like I'm Mm -hmm. this old fertile cow. That's not like, it's (laughs) funny, but I I truly believe the Lord, he just put it in Tyler's heart that one day Mm -hmm. he came out of his office and said, Hey Mandy, we, we need to foster. And I'm like, I'm, I was getting ready to leave for a speech. I had three kids, two in diapers. Like they were under yeah. the age of four. And I'm like, you are crazy. Like I am stressed out. There is no way possible, but the Lord will have his way. And, mm-hmm. and so for us, and I, I, I probably should save this story for when Tyler's on, but I got on the plane to go to a speech and the in in uh, flight movie was instant family, which was about foster care. Great movie with Mark Wahlberg, if you haven't seen it. And I always tell people, if you want to soften your husband's heart to foster Mm -hmm. care, have a date night and go watch that movie. It's a very real uh, depiction of foster care. It is. is. But it's, Uh uh, I I was crying on the plane because I'm like, okay, God, like I hear you. I got the message. I got off the plane. I told my husband, yeah, let's do it. Let's do foster care. We were able to hop into classes the next week after I got home. We got our first kids at our house before we even received our license. So the mm-hmm. heat was yep. there. Um, but the whole time we, and I don't know if you experienced this, but my parents, my family, all of our friends, they thought we were nuts and mm-hmm. like, they were not, I, mean, I wouldn't say not supportive. I, I would say they were worried. They were worried yeah. that 
You're too busy ranching. You got these little kids. You're busy. How are you going to yeah. make it and work? What are you going to get? That's what we get right. too. Like, yep. you know, you can, you, you can, can control some things with yep. your own kids. Like these kids are you just can. thrown into your home. Are right. you ready for this? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I remember you talk about thy will be done. My dad really came over and was giving me, like he was telling all these fears and he was pouring it out to me. And at that point I just said, dad, I, I don't know. I don't know why we're doing this. You're going to have to take it to Jesus because it yeah. is his directive. It doesn't make sense to Tyler and I, I wouldn't even peg us as the people that would take in all these kids. Like we're right. not, we're, we're kind of like, we like things organized and relatively right. calm. And like, not organized. A plan. <laughs> like we're both these like type a oldest yeah. sibling types. And I'm like, mm-hmm. we are not that it's just not my stereotype. Like, and I, so I just said, it's Jesus's calling. Like Mm -hmm. that's it. I'm being obedient. I have no choice. Like, and it was the best thing that's ever happened to us, obviously. Like God had a plan, but it was just like, it is not my plan. But Mm -hmm. I think, I think in society, we're losing that of being able to any decision I make now, it's like, I have to pray about it. I have to discern about it. And if the Lord doesn't bless it, I have to walk away from it. And I've done it so many times since then that I figured out, Hey, God is just a phone call away. He really mm-hmm. is. But you have to be in constant prayer to be able to discern what is of his will and what is this world trying to distract you. So I feel yeah. like that's what I've learned from foster care of just mm-hmm. like phone, my friend, phone, my father, like he yeah. will, he'll make it clear. You just have to be listening. And yeah. so, yeah, it's, it's been cool. And I, I would say in the faith community, the faith community is very active in answering the call. Of, mm-hmm. of foster care. I'm devoutly pro-life. And so to me, when I hear the arguments on, on social media about, oh, if, if we, a kid isn't aborted or, you know, that they, they'll end up in foster care. And I'm like, well, wait, I've met wonderful kids in foster care that deserve mm-hmm. a life. And it's mm-hmm. up to us as Christians to answer the call and, and meet yeah. the needs. And I always tell people if they only had the chance to meet the kids, yes, yes. sometimes it's really tough, but mm-hmm. if you had the chance to meet the kids, you couldn't look away either. And that's, yeah. that's how I felt walking into that. So all that to say, like, that was a lot of rambling. Let's talk about that elephant in the room, the, the hard goodbyes. Let's, hard let's talk about your hard goodbye. Yeah. So um, all of them were hard, right? They were just yeah. different kinds of hard. When the four yep. kiddos left, it was, it was short. It was so sweet, but oh my gosh, it was also kind of unexpected. But knowing that they went to a different place, you know, that they got adopted was beautiful. And I'm so yep. fortunate I was able to still be involved. Our older one that went to a family with older kids that he just meshed a lot with. I actually had a lot of guilt with that one because I kind of facilitated it. There were some safety issues or some different things. The ranch is a hard place to live. If you haven't grown up on it and like to understand that, Hey, you can't just walk through a pen with a mama and her baby. You can't do right. that during like right. you can't walk right behind a horse. You can't like when we say you have to be careful, please be careful. When we, yep. you know there's equipment, there's machinery, like there's all these things. And it really got to be very concerning because of some different behaviors, things like that. So I actually kind of pushed and pushed that transition a little bit. And I still have guilt about it, mm-hmm. but I kept that relationship with that kiddo. So I would still stop and see him and and different things like that. So that was still very helpful. The 19 month or one that we had for that little over a year and a half, that one, that was tough. That was so tough. So I live in the state of Nebraska. There's different, you know, guidelines that, and laws and regulations that they follow, but everything's very fluid in foster care. And so kind of right, we were just about to the end of hitting that kind of that guideline of, okay, this is when things are supposed to be terminated and all this. It's just such a weird, like feeling of 
yes, we want this. We want to move forward. We would, you know, of course, we'd love to keep this baby in our home forever. He's, he's been ours. He's been ours for a long time, but also understanding that he's not ours Mm -hmm. and the best places with mom, you know, depending on the situation and realizing, educating myself on trauma and some of these different pieces, but it was, it was so hard. So the actual goodbye with him, I, smile thinking about it. I think just very bittersweet. Like when he actually transitioned home, I remember at the time thinking, okay, I, I could just envision it, right. The caseworker, like coming to our home, packing up all of his things. He'd been with us a long time, you know, and, and your family, your friends, like, yeah, they become, they're your village. You have to have a village. I think with foster care, that support is so important. And, you know, so there, there's just a lot of stuff and personal, emotional stuff and also physical stuff. Yeah. Um, but I remember envisioning like, okay, the caseworker is going to come take him and put all these things in their vehicle. And then they're going to drive away. And my husband and I are going to sit here with our daughter at the time we'd had our daughter in the meantime, she was six months old. And then as we were getting closer to it, I just kept getting this pull that that's not how it's supposed to be. And yeah. so I just kept thinking, I'm going to take him. I'm going to do this. I'm going to drop him off. And so I did, I put him in my vehicle or our vehicle for the last time. My husband stayed home with our daughter Um, I took him to town. We met mom with the caseworker there as well. And I handed him over to his mom, Mm -hmm. which was the worst, worst feeling. I mean, oh my, see, I'm going to cry thinking about it. Well, I knew we would cry. I knew we would. Like, I'm like, I can't even. Gosh, it was was the hardest thing in the world though. Giving him, you know, giving him away kind of, they become your babies. You know, like you said, you know, you're doing it right. I think when you love them as their own, because they deserve that love and they need that love. But also I remember giving his mom a hug and telling her how proud I was of her because she did change. I mean, she went from non-existent. We never heard a thing from her, never did visits, nothing to traveling and making an effort and making it work and making darn sure that she got her kid back and fighting for him again. And I thought, wow, this is different. Now, honestly, I'm probably the only person that could see it in that light initially, but I think that was God softening my heart to it, to knowing So it was just the craziest thing though. I think like actually handing him over all of his things, packing them in her vehicle, giving him a hug, giving her that final hug. But, oh man, it was, it was hard. It was so hard. And, and I know that you went through something very similar with your little girl at the same time. So when when was your goodbye? I forget what. Ours was in March of 2021. 2021. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So ours was, ours would have been, was that before or after you now? I can't. I'm trying to picture the timeline. I know. I, we talked yeah, so much. Yeah, I think, I think mine was first. Mine was first. Yeah. Mine was the yeah. fall of, of 2020. Was yeah. Yep. yep. And you, yeah, I, I know exactly how you feel. Like it was like a bittersweet for us. Mm-hmm. It was the world shut down in March, 2020. Yeah. And I lost a year's worth of work within a week of that announcement that two weeks of soul mm-hmm. spread and all that jazz. And I remember sitting distinctly sitting at the dining room table, crying to my husband, like my career is over. Like I'm not speaking. I'm not taking these books to the li- schools and libraries. Like, what am I yeah. going to do? We have all these bills to pay with the cattle and the land and everything. And I just thought like, uh, what is my purpose? Like, what is the mm-hmm. whole, I remember asking God, like, what's the p- whole point of this? And right. I, so much good came during that time, of course, mm-hmm. but because that's his way. Right. But yeah. within a week, of me losing years worth of work is when we got the call for a six month old baby and we mm-hmm. called her sissy. So sissy came and I, I remember I was like, well, okay, God, I see what, I see why you cleared my schedule. I get it now. You know, yep. I've, I've got an assignment. The Heart of Rural America is presented in part by Lynn's Heritage Angus and Meets by Lynn's. 
founded in 1963 as a Chicago neighborhood butcher shop and growing to an international supplier of high-quality beef in the white tablecloth space, Meats by Linz is a four-generation family-owned business. The Linz Heritage Angus Program was developed to allow for greater control of the end product, a focus on using elite Angus genetics while also managing the feed, environment, age, and weight of the cattle allows Fred Linz and his crew the ability to source the very best beef produced from the heart of their Angus program, meeting and exceeding the needs of their customers worldwide. Discover more at LinzHeritageAngus.com and shop for beef at ShopLinz.com. Use code AMANDA20 to save 20% on your next beef purchase. That's a pretty sweet deal, my fellow beef lovers. Working cattle can be stressful at times, but the job is made so much easier with equipment that is safe, strong, and simply designed. I highly recommend Real Tough Livestock Equipment for all your working facility needs. We just installed the Deluxe Chute at Radke Landing Cattle, and it has been an absolute game changer as we run cows through our chute during AI season. It's durable and easy to use, and it's made to last a lifetime. Real Tough offers a wide range of products, including calving barns, panels, loading chutes, tubs, alleys, and portable working systems. Manufactured in the U.S. of A., Real Tough is family-owned and operated. Their commitment to helping farm and ranch families truly exemplifies what this show is all about. Learn more at realtough.com, that's T-U-F-F, and be sure to tell them Amanda sent you to receive an extra bonus with your order. Let's get you some iconic green Real Tough equipment headed your way. I promise you're going to love it. And so we were just all in and during COVID, there were no birth parent visits. There were no worker mm -hmm. visits. Like they dropped this baby off essentially. And we celebrated all of her first milestones and all like her walking and getting her first tooth and all mm -hmm. these things. And we were celebrating her first birthday party when we got the call that she mm -hmm. would leave. And I just remember like people said, oh, I could never say goodbye. Well, you're right. Like I'm not a heartless person. Like the right. goodbye part, I dreaded it. Like I just... I could not imagine saying goodbye. And she was she was going to family. She was reuniting with sisters. It was a good thing. But in my mind at that time, I was mad at my husband. I was like, oh, if we had only taken all the siblings, you know, we would yeah. have had like eight kids in our house at that point. She's trying to protect us. But I was mad at Tyler. I was mad at the world. I was mad mm -hmm. at the system. And I I literally thought I would die of a broken heart. I tell people that. Mm -hmm. Like I, if there was a time I thought I might die. I really thought it's a, I it's a pain. Like you're losing. I mean, it's truly a grief, right? You lose somebody that's been yeah, in your home. I know. It's, yeah, it's like exactly. someone you think you're never going to see again. And you mm -hmm. love them with every fiber of your being. Mm -hmm. And, um, but you like, you're like my soul sister because <laughs> like, I probably never told well, you, I've told you this, but like, I remember you reached out to me, like in one of my darkest, like, mm -hmm. I'm going to cry, but like, crying at night, you know, just so sad and rocking this baby. And mm -hmm. you sent me a song. You, It was Thy Will by Hillary yep. Scott. Yep. And if, if people haven't heard it, I didn't realize people listen to this song for all kinds of heartaches mm -hmm. in life. 
to me, the lyrics spoke so clearly to what I was going through. I'm going to stop crying here, but (laughs) but if I can just read the lyrics, because I think it's just so fitting to like the tattoo, the thy will be done in the lyrics. She sings, I'm so confused. I know I heard you loud and clear. So I followed through and somehow I ended up here. And I don't want to think I may never understand that my broken heart, see, I can't even get through it, (laughs) is part of your plan. And when I try to pray, all I've got is hurt and these four words, and that is, Mm -hmm. thy will be done. And I I just would listen to that on repeat and thinking Mm -hmm. like, yeah, God, this makes no sense. It makes no Mm -hmm. sense that you would have a baby that would even need to be removed from her home. It makes Mm -hmm. no sense that people would come from generational traumas where quite honestly, the mom, I fell in love with the mom too, because it was like, I could just tell she was this hurting person who had been hurt, who had gone through trauma, who was very likely the kid in foster care herself. Mm -hmm. And it was Mm -hmm. like, only if they had had the tools, the resources, the love, the love, just the stability in their home. Like it's, it's like if somebody could break that cycle, you know, Mm -hmm. and and me, it was like, man, I, I do feel like I might die. Like I've taken a gunshot Mm -hmm. wound to the heart, Mm -hmm. but if I could play even a tiny role of planting a seed of being the mom, this baby needed right now in this moment, and maybe just showing her that love, maybe, maybe we could break some generational trauma. Maybe Mm -hmm. the the Lord can do all kinds of things to make ugly things new and renewed. And you're like an angel on earth because that you sent me that song, like just when I needed it and I would have my good cry. And then I would, Mm -hmm be okay, yeah. get back to yeah. mom and my kids. And, yeah. Yeah. but in all that, you know, people listening to this probably hear like a couple moms just like bawling and they're like, right. <laughs> don't do foster care. That will really, really pass you off. but still, mm-hmm. would you tell people to do foster care? Oh, I do in a heartbeat. Yeah. And I, I just actually had somebody tell me the other day, I was thinking about it and then I heard your story and I couldn't. And I said, no, don't do that. Don't right. do that. Like if it is on your heart, do it. And I will support you through it. We were just talking kind of before we jumped online. I don't, we didn't, we opted not to renew our license for a few different reasons. We have another kiddo at home. It's just not, it's not in our heart. It's well, it's on my heart always and forever. Let's be honest, but we have to have that village. You have to have that support. And, and so we didn't renew our license, but I would still encourage anybody to do it because it truly is so beautiful. It is so beautiful to see redemption, right? It's so beautiful to see these um, parents kind of growing and, and it may not always be that way, but then if that's the case and they go to another home to be adopted, see the happiness with those other families as well. And just how well those kiddos can do. It really is just such a blessing. I haven't really got to see our, our little foster dude since, which is hard, but I'm very fortunate for social media and that I did build that relationship with the mom. And I did that on purpose. I did that very intentionally for both of us, I think. So she knew she could come back to me if she ever needed. And just so I could hopefully have some part in his life. And if that's just seeing pictures on social media, I'll take it. I'll take whatever I can get. And that is the most beautiful thing to see him happy, to see her happy and clean and all the things. It it really is a beautiful thing to be part of that redemption story too. We're so far away from where Sissy lives now, but we get text messages. She just celebrated her fourth birthday. And I, when she left us, I put our name and address and phone number on like every little thing she owned because I thought someday maybe she'll need me again. Like, I don't care if I'm 
if she's 25 years old and she mm -hmm. needs her other mom, like I'm still yeah. here. You just never know. The Lord has a way of making things come full circle too. And I just think being brave enough to be obedient when it doesn't make sense is mm -hmm. a true calling. And I would say not everyone listening to this, most people are going to be like, man, I'm not going to sign up to be a foster parent. Right. Like chaos. It's, it is court yes. cases and paperwork and dealing yeah. with the system and all the, it's not easy for sure. Mm -hmm. I would say a really tangible way people can support this mission because you, no matter where you live in this country, we have kids mm -hmm. that are vulnerable, that are experiencing very hard things and they need yeah. support. They need people to love them and to be a village, mm -hmm. but take a foster family, a casserole, check yeah. in, offer to babysit for an hour or two so that yeah. they can have a break because sometimes it can be so much. It's such a heavy load that without mm -hmm. just little bits of support, you lose steam really fast. And mm -hmm. yeah, full disclosure, Tyler and I, we have renewed our license, but we haven't taken any case. We adopted a little boy, which is probably just a whole episode in itself, but we adopted a little boy in 2021 and we haven't taken any new cases since, but we feel like we've got four kids under the age of nine and this is our assignment. We've adopted mm -hmm. it and now we need to see it through. And not to saying we won't ever take any kids again, but we maybe don't feel that fire that that's our assignment right now. And yeah. so I guess in this transition period, probably a lot like you, it's like, how can you continue in that mission field without bringing them into your home, which yeah. is what you're working on now, right? Absolutely. Yep. So right probably about the month before or so our little guy was going home. So we knew he was going to go. It was kind of that transition period. I just kept feeling this pull again that I have to do something. You know, this yep. maybe isn't it, but I have to do something. And my husband and I ranch, we live in Western Nebraska. So very much a cattle, cattle country, right? I grew up in South Dakota. So I've grown up around this my whole entire life. And I just get excited even thinking about talking about it because it really is yeah. the cool thing. So the best thing I think ever birthed of having this experience, and that is what is, what is called foster love with beef. So basically what this is, is a program that we started. Honestly, it's kind of crazy how fast it got started. So our little guy left in March, we had everything incorporated and official in April and I'll explain the program, but we were able to deliver that first beef in October of that same year. So basically what this is, is we work with the state in the state of Nebraska. Obviously that's where I live right now, but so we work with the state. And so when a new, a child is placed into a foster home, the state reaches out to me and I reach out to local ranchers in our area, kind of throughout the panhandle, which is probably like 10 or 12 counties. It's a pretty big area. All of Western Nebraska are a big chunk of it. And what these ranchers do then is they donate a roast and five pounds of burger to these families. And then we coordinate delivery and we actually give this beef to the foster families. So we've been able to do this now. It's been almost two full years of doing it, which is crazy. And by the time this airs, we'll be over two years of doing it, but it's been so amazing to see the growth. So whenever foster families, like I said, get a new placement, they get beef. So they have that good nutritious meal for these kiddos automatically. There's there's nothing, there's no like strings attached. It's nothing, it's just literally brought to their doorstep. And then that we also do with this, just a big like Christmas giveaway. So around Christmas time, every single foster parent, no matter if they have kiddos or not, they are offered this. So they get a roast or burger. A lot of times people are amazing. The people that have helped with this are truly amazing. We had the first year we did it. So 2021, the Christmas of 2021, we had like barely enough to get all the foster parents. Then the last year when we did it, we had just an overabundance to where almost every single person got, well, every person got at least a roast or burger. And then they also got one additional item. So maybe it was brisket, maybe it was steaks, maybe it was whatever, just that these ranchers and these our rural communities are just 
they're just giving. They're giving out of love and out of their hearts to just provide support and to help out these families and and the foster care in a way that they, you know, like you said, maybe you don't want to go and sign up to be foster parents. I totally get it. I totally right, get right. it. A lot. But this is such an easy way. And honestly, that's why I said from the beginning, I said, how many of us don't have five pounds of burger and a roast in our freezers? Yeah. We don't even know it's gone. So we are working right now on um, just kind of building our process so we can expand a little bit further. So we just actually had our first delivery a couple of weeks ago for a little bit further east in Nebraska. Um, and then our plan sometime eventually is to really expand to other areas. We have, like I said, a lot of connections in South Dakota. So it's definitely something we want to do there, but really just kind of keeping it rural because we're, we're special, right? We're also a little bit yeah. different. We take care of our own. And I think that's just something that we do. And, and that has just truly been the most beautiful thing that has come up not the most, but one of the most beautiful things I think that's come out of all of this. And it really is amazing the impact, like the tears on these people's faces when you, I've, I've been fortunate been able to actually meet some of the foster parents where I'm a foster mom myself. There were a little laxer rules, which was really cool. So I could take this beef to homes, deliver it to them and just the gratitude and I don't know, just the joy that they had on their faces, just knowing that they didn't have to worry about it. We know costs are rising, right? It's yep. hard to get a roast. People don't get roasts. They buy burger, they buy pork, they buy whatever, yep. you know, but it's not maybe the best quality. It's kind of the cheaper stuff that they can get. So to have this high quality beef in their homes is just, it's incredible. And it's really just such a beautiful thing. So yeah, it's foster love with beef. And like I said, we're just, we're working on growing it. And I'm, I'm so excited to see kind of what we're able to do with it in the future too. Now, is there a Facebook page website where can people get alert? Yeah. So um, right now we're mostly just on Facebook. Um, so again, it's Foster Love with Beef. And we do have a website that we're working on growing. But so right now I know I've had a lot of people ask, you know, well, we'll donate a quarter beef or a half a beef or whatever, which is amazing. But oh my gosh, I'm like, we're not quite at that capacity. Yet. I don't know where to well, store it. I have a feeling you're going to get there in real short I order. Too. I know, which would be so cool. But I actually just have been working with somebody to kind of build a database and build up a website and different things. And, and even just to have items, you know, financial donations are amazing because we are trying to, to branch out. We actually provide a cooler, just a little cooler bag, which each, with each of the um, donations as well, that way the kiddos can use them. We slap our yeah. sticker on them. So, so they have stickers and yeah, so we're looking at some different merchandise and different options with that as well, just to, just to really help the cause and to get it out there. Cause it's, it's truly amazing. And I feel like we as ranchers, as cattlemen, as farmers, whatever we are in our rural areas, we just, we have a lot to give to. And sometimes I think we just don't know how to do it. So it's, it's right. just a really great, easy way to, to do that, to help out where we can. But see, this is why this show was created right here, mm-hmm. because yeah. I get so sick of the news that's talking about how ranchers are destroying the environment and the cows are bad right. and all this stuff. And I always say, yeah, we can fight, we can fight the misconceptions and talk about the science and the research. But at the end of the day, if people just knew who we were in mm-hmm. rural America in the ranching mm-hmm. community, if they could just meet us and see our heart, mm-hmm. they would understand what our intentions were. That it's mm-hmm. we love the land and the livestock, but yep. pretty much 99% of people I know in this country, this rural uh, community that we belong to, they love people most of all. Mm-hmm. And they, they have a servant heart. They want to do things in their communities to make it a better place. And to mm-hmm. me, this program that you've started that was conceived by you stepping into a very hard space, mm-hmm. seeing the problem, understanding and having empathy for both sides, for for the kids, the birth parents, and also what it takes to open up your heart and home and yeah. have loss and trauma and all kinds of messy things mm-hmm. come in and then providing a solution. 
And that's what this beef is. It's even more than just the burgers and the steaks. It's someone saying to someone else, hey, I see you're doing something really brave and really scary. And it often can feel lonely at times because people don't understand what you've signed up for here. But we get it. We see you. We appreciate you stepping into that space and helping kids in our community. And to me, it just it's a full circle thing. I just I love you for it. I love your heart for it. And I'm just I'm just so grateful that you were willing to join the conversation on the show and, and share your heart with all of us. I appreciate you. You letting me join. I, when I first heard you doing this podcast, I thought, Oh, we're going to have to jump on sometime oh. and just, just chat. Cause it's, it's just been amazing. I feel like too, the relationships you build with other foster moms within this foster love with beef. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. God put you where you're supposed to be. He does. He does. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't cry that much. So that's I know. So, yeah, go only on. a little bit, only a little bit. And if my <laughs> husband's going to be listening. He's going to be like, Oh, you didn't hold it together. And I'm, yeah. I'll just fast forward through that part. If it there makes you, you uncomfortable, yeah. but no, but that's it. That's what it is though. When you feel something passionately and, mm-hmm. and your heart is in the right place, you're going to see emotion with it. So I, this, this is real, real life, real America moms mm-hmm. on a mission to make the community a better place. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Mm-hmm. I just, I just love you so much and I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the show. If you found value in the message, I would be so grateful if you would subscribe and share to help spread the word. Until next time we meet on the Dusty Trail, I'm Amanda Radke, and this is the Heart of Rural America.